Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is the show where we share cutting edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. And today we're joined with our guest host, Savannah Sanchez. Savannah, thanks for being here. Hello. Thanks for having me back. So first of all, how many episodes have you done now? Do you know? I think this is my third. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're a series regular. (laughs) <laughs> the people have spoken. If you haven't listened to Savannah yet, you've got to go back and listen to those other episodes because she just drops fire all the time, nonstop, like really brilliant stuff. And what I like about you, Savannah, is you make everything approachable and accessible because thought leaders like to zoom out and get ethereal and nebulous. And you're like, no, you press this button to do that thing, which is what <laughs> we want here at Perpetual Traffic. We want to know how stuff is done. So thank you for being here. Of course. Before we dive deep into the topic of today, which is Black Friday, Cyber Monday, which gives me heart palpitations, by the way, as a marketer. Um, You'd mentioned before we started recording that you've got a nugget. I do have a nugget. My nugget is that over the next month, this is a time where you need to be testing your strategies on paid social. Um, When it comes Black Friday, Cyber Monday, that is not the time for testing. You need to be executing your game plan then. So... Now is really go time. Any hypothesis that you have out there, any theories, you have to test it now, um, not on not on Black Friday or in December. So that's the mode I'm in right now. So I have a question about that. If I let's say the Black Friday Cyber Monday deal, uh, I want to know if I should do. Am I doing fifty percent off or am I doing two for one? You know what I mean? Um, just to to simplify this, how do you test that without letting the cat out of the bag? Yeah. Where's the silo? I would say in terms of testing, I'm more referring to creatives, landing pages, channels, Mm. um, copy messaging, not for the reason you just mentioned. It's too difficult to to say 50% off versus two for one. But in general, I would say from the last few years of doing Black Friday with clients, we've always seen that straight percentage off to perform better than a two for one deal or free gift with purchase. I always tell clients, make it as simple as possible. Like percentage off is very simple to understand. I've had some clients where we've had Black Friday fails um, with their Black Friday sale because it was too complicated. They were like, okay, if you buy, if you get over $100, then you get 20%. If you spend over $150, you get 30% off. And the ad just became so complicated. People didn't want to read. And it totally for a mortgage. Yes. (laughs) So don't do tears. Don't do anything complicated. I always say like 25% off. There you go. There's your Black Friday deal go with it, 30% off, whatever um, percentage off that gives you a good margin and still gets enough volume, but don't, don't do tiers or anything too complicated. So you can not test that one because I've already tested that with clients where we failed. So you could just take that as, as advice of <laughs> not to do that. That's two nuggets for the price of one. Two nuggets, the price of one. Yeah. That's what we get when we have Savannah on. Um, so today we're going to dive deep into Black Friday, Cyber Monday, which is for a lot of retailers, it's a significant 
portion of their profitability, like very tax relevant. It's, it's a tough thing to fail at. And I know you have a lot of amazing insight. We're excited to hear it. But first, we have to pay the bills. So everybody just hang tight and we'll see you in a minute. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. See why I'm horribly awkward at these? <laughs> no, it's so, great. I love it. So bad. You're doing great. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are back. Savannah Sanchez, the social savannah.com. Uh, probably the world authority in TikTok at this point. Is that fair to say? I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I don't know anybody else that does what you do as well as you do. And your name always comes up. So we're just oh. going to, we're going to go bullish. Uh, perpetual traffic certified. Today we're talking Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And uh, as a Google guy, BFCM sucks for us. <laughs> because we're not, we don't have the same levers that social people have. We're getting them with, with, you know, a, with YouTube and then B with Pmax, but, um, we're more on the prefaces. Like we catch really well. We do remarketing really well. Uh, but the heroes of black Friday, Saturday, Monday are the social marketers because that's where, that's where you have to go. You know, it's interrupted marketing and, and, and you have such a short timeline and Google requires a real long burn. So I'm curious, I know you're a TikTok person. But if you were to rank order the paid traffic channels for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, do you feel like you could you could build that hierarchical structure for us? Sure. I would say so the majority is going to come from Meta. So Facebook and Instagram, That's they have the largest inventory, um, the biggest um, audiences for retargeting. So even though TikTok is new and trendy, um, which is great for prospecting, I always say that you should be prospecting a month before Black Friday is our Monday. That's when you really need to build up your traffic buckets, get as many people to your site as possible. But Black Friday is our Monday, like those actual, that weekend, those days, 
it's not necessarily about reaching new people who have never heard of you. I always think about it as it's time to retarget all that traffic that you've built up over the last month. Mm. So what I'm doing for clients is right now we're going really hard on TikTok because TikTok has the cheapest traffic, low CPMs. We're going full on awareness so that when we do drop our sale, anyone who's been to our website in the last year, they better know that we're having a sale. So um, Meta... And Google, to your point, is still the best for retargeting. Um, I wouldn't be retargeting on TikTok. I would be using it just for prospecting over um, the next month leading up to Black Friday. No, that's brilliant. So you said a bunch of things there that I want to unpack. But the first, I think, and maybe most important is TikTok is for prospecting. Yep. Uh, which I I like that paradigm because you have tools in your tool belt. And the problem with marketers is oftentimes... It's like, well, TikTok kind of looks like Facebook, kind of looks like you know YouTube Reels. I'm going to use all these the same. And to have a professional like you come in and say, no, TikTok is going to gain the attention. And then we're going to use these other mechanisms in order to keep it and bring it back. It starts to build something of a roadmap. And so if you're listening to this and you have a Black Friday, Cyber Monday strategy being rolled out, I think Savannah just, just dropped an epic value bomb. Um, we're going to go out and prospect on TikTok, and then we're going to remarket on some of these other channels. And you're prospecting a month in advance, mm-hmm. which is quite a bit earlier than I see a lot of people doing it. Everybody else is going at you know a couple of weeks prior to, but you get out that far ahead. How do you? What does the messaging look like when you're that early? Do you even reference deal sales holiday, or is it just building the audience? Right now, the ads are running. Are are you looking for the perfect gift? So we're not referencing a sale, but just planting seeds of this would be a great gift for your mom, your dad, or whoever it is. Um, or So that's the messaging that we're leaning into right now. Um, and to your point, people don't think about prospecting for Black Friday until two weeks before. But every week that goes by until now, until Black Friday, the CPMs are going to get more and more and more expensive. And every year, it's more expensive than the last year. So... The CPMs like today, right now, is going to be as cheap as it's going to be until mm. the end of holiday season. So why not try to get traffic to your site now? And re- of course, you'd have to retarget on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And it's going to be super expensive to reach people, but the conversion rate is so much higher on those days. But don't try to get new people to your site the week before, especially since brands are starting their Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals um, no, like November 1st for the most part. Um, it's not necessarily something that's dropping on Black Friday. It's the weeks leading up to Black Friday is when people are starting some sort of deal. Maybe they'll have like 20% off um, from November up until Thanksgiving. And then from Thanksgiving to Cyber Monday, they'll have 30% off. So they'll save the better deal for that weekend, but they're still going to be um, sharing a deal the whole month of November because they know that people are thinking about buying gifts earlier, especially people are worried about supply chain issues. Are they going to get it in time? They want to get it done early. Uh, I think the last couple of years has kind of primed people into thinking there might be long lead times, especially for custom gifts or something that has to ship from far away. So they're thinking, okay, I need to order it sooner than later. Don't wait and be in trouble when it doesn't come until after Christmas. Mm. From Just from a philosophical perspective, I'm curious as to how you see this impacting the, the holiday marketing market long-term if brands, because it used to just be Black Friday, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then now it was Black Friday, Seven Monday. And then it was kind of like the whole of the week. And now November 1st. Yeah, really. So, you know, I remember auto dealers killed spring clearance. Like spring clearance used to really mean something. 
and you could go get a car and you could get one for, you know, uh, significantly less. And then, but the same thing happened. They started to expand into it. And then spring clearance was just all year and it, <laughs> it became meaningless. And I feel like we're headed in that direction. And so number one is, is, do you think that, do you think this is always going to be as relevant or do you see some dilution over time? Cause you've been doing this long enough now to, to see a trend line. And then number two, does it hurt the brand to extend it too far out? Now people don't trust you. They don't take your, your deals seriously. Sorry to give you a two-parter. I know that's interview or breach of etiquette. Forgive me. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's a good point. I think it is getting a little watered down. Um, and also brands are having sales all year long, like Columbus day sale, Hall- Halloween sale. It's like, let's uh. all, let's just do a sale whenever we can. So I would say like the, the appeal of black Friday is getting maybe less and less. I would say, I still think it's a good strategy to have some sort of deal in November. Um, you're going to capture a lot of people with that sale messaging just leading up to Black Friday. Like I said, it doesn't have to be your biggest deal, but maybe it's like starting at 20% off and then you bump it up to 30% off for Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend. And we're still seeing a significant bump on Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend, even if we're running the same sale a few days before or a week before. Um, people are like, okay, this is going to be their best deal. It's Black Friday. I'm going to buy it now. It's not going to get better than this. So that's usually what we'll see. We'll still see a big bump, even though we're running a sale before Black mm. Friday. Are there certain industries that you think are just burned? Like <laughs> just nothing burned. that can be done here. Well, you know, for, for Google, yeah. I tell people like, I don't take residential realtors. I have a real hard time with general dentists. Mm. So I wonder for TikTok, like one of the, th- if I open up TikTok, you know, I'm a almost 40 year old male. I open up TikTok and I all see makeup right away. Really? You know, like they don't even try to start to try. Well, and it's also because I don't <laughs> use it. So I haven't given any, any real specific tactile feedback yet, but it occurs to me that I just feel like makeup is, is saturated. So it totally you know, are, is. Th- that's my question. Like, are there little industries where you're like, gosh, if you're going to, if you're going to play in this lane, a discount's not good enough. You have to have a real strong USP or key differentiator, or, you know, different messaging. Yeah. I mean, makeup, skincare, apparel, like there's so many different brands out there. Like if you're a new leggings brand, like, okay, there's a million other leggings brands. Like what's different about you? And I I see that a lot in skincare and makeup. So I think you really do have to build a strong brand and have really great USPs. Like you mentioned, Um, a lot of these brands too, because they're not overly unique, they rely on having sales all year long. That's their entire business strategy is, okay, we're going to be a discount brand. And every month we're going to release a big sale because they know that they can't compete with an evergreen offer or just full price. So that's something that I see brands get into a lot of trouble with is that they're running these big sales all year long because they're quick cash grabs. It's like an addiction. Like because the sales always perform well, but you end up having them all the time. And then when you do have these big moments like Black Friday, it's never going to be as big because people are just conditioned to buy at the sale price and you never get those full price customers so that's something that I always warn brands about is it's better to be the brand that has like one or two sales a year. So maybe Black Friday and then maybe like a 4th of July sale in the summer or something like that. But you don't want to be that brand that's having a big sale every month because you're going to burn through your customer base and then people are just going to expect sales all the time. And then Black Friday isn't going to be as meaningful because people are like, oh, I just shopped their, their sale three weeks ago and they had another, they'll have another one next month. They're expecting it to come. Yeah, I love the line of demarcation you drew there too. That was really bold. Two sales a year. Yep. Two big sales a year. So it'd be Black Friday. And what was the other one you gave us? I just like Fourth of July, um, okay. or maybe like it's going to depend just on spread the spread out. So yeah, just spread it out. Usually yeah. summer slow, so Fourth of July is usually a good one to kind of spice things up in the summer or Labor Day. 
Um, yeah. if you have a gifting Mother's product, Day, depending Mother's on the product. Day. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, do you know who Stu McLaren is? No. Who's that? Stu's, he's, he's amazing. I've, I've followed him for a long time. He's uh, the global authority on creating memberships. And what's cool about Stu is he did this thing where he creates these membership communities, online communities, like micro niche communities. So you're, you're into whatever it is, paddleboarding, and, and Stu will teach you how to do a, a membership on paddleboarding. So like building these communities. And one of the things that he found through his, his courses was when he closed the membership, he actually made more money. Now it's a dangerous, scary thing to do because you want people to be able to join your membership. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's a hundred, hundred bucks a month or whatever to join my membership. And, but enrollment and Stu would do like, you know, he did six enrollment periods a year. And he, he found out that when he did that, instead of just making it wide open, he had a nice little shot in the pocket. And then he narrowed it down to like four and then two. And then now, and I don't know if this is still true because I haven't, it's been so long since I signed up, but at one point he was doing two days. He had a two day enrollment period and you could not join period. Like truly not with no false scarcity. You couldn't join Stu's thing. I think it's called tribe. If you didn't get it within that 48 hour block. But what was crazy is he actually, and he showed, he shared his gross revenues. Like we made way more money and we had people lining up like, like desperate. We had people like emailing us before him. like, Hey, I don't want to miss it. You know, and, and so it was just, it really spoke to the importance of trust and, and not relying on false scarcity. And I think that I'm, I'm drawing the parallel between that and what you just said, because I think when brands let people know like, hey, this is real. When we discount, it's a real discount. And it only happens when we say it's going to happen. And then we're going to go back to business as usual. Yep. Um, you know, God bless them. I think Apple does that really well too. So curious is to, because, you know, in a lot of ways, you and I are in the same boat. We're just the media buyer. And I think you do quite a bit more strategy than I do, but we're still at the mercy of the client's business model. How mm. much influence and or intrusion do you allow yourself into telling people like, hey, you got to stop discounting or my ads aren't going to work? You know, I think it speaks for itself because we'll be in these times where we're not running a sale and things are just looking so bad. Traffic's down, sales down. Um, of course, they're going to yell at me first and be like, okay, what can we do on the Facebook ads yeah. uh, or TikTok ads to make it better? Um, but then I have to, you know, I, I always put the truth out there. I'm, if you want to still think that it has to do something with the ads, like that's that's on you, but I'm going to give you my opinion. It's Sometimes clients will be like, oh, maybe you're just trying to fluff blame. But I think deep down, they're like, oh, it actually does make sense that we run these discounts all the time. If we're not running a discount, we're going to get no sales because people are waiting for the discount. We've conditioned people to know that one's just right around the corner. So why buy full price? Yeah. So I try to do what I can. I say, okay, we're going to come up with new creative strategies. Maybe we'll try this or our new product launches, things to try to spice things up in the evergreen times. But, but ultimately, I think it's pretty obvious when there's huge spikes during sales and then otherwise it's really slow. Yeah, you're right. It's, I mean, it's axiomatic, you know. Uh, can you zoom out of that? Like if, if you have a brand, let's say there's a brand that's been doing that. Yeah. You said it was like a drug, like they're, they're addicted, but they want to go to rehab. (laughs) They want to go to like discount rehab. What's, is there a way to properly extricate them? Or is it just kind of like, it's a a check that's already cashed. I think you can quit cold Turkey. And I think it would probably take a year to recondition your customer base. to know, like, okay, they're not running sales anymore. Like maybe you say, okay, black Friday is the last time we're going to run a sale up until Fourth of July, and you mean it. So, and even telling customers like, "We're this is our biggest sale of the year. Like, you're not going to get a bigger discount." And then being true to your word on that. Right. So, I think that 
it, it would take at least a year to recondition your customer base to realize, okay, they don't run a sale every month. They actually mean it. Um, when they say this is our biggest sale of the season or the year, they've been truthful about that before. I have no reason not to believe them now. Yeah. I think that year-long epoch too, that's that's exactly right. That's about how long it would take me before I start, you know, because you have to let every holiday pass because you've run yep. a sale on every <laughs> holiday. So yeah. now I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait you out. Y'all, we're here with Savannah Sanchez, the social Savannah. And when we come back, I've got a question about how well creative performs cross-channel specifically for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And we're going to give you a discount code so you can go snap up Savannah's TikTok course right after this quick break. Hey guys, it's Kasim here. And I'm so sorry to be the doom and gloom guy, but I'm hoping this acts as a bit of a wake-up call for you. We've been talking a lot about how the iOS thing has advertisers flying blind, sprinkling in the rising cost of ads and supply chain issues. I think we have a real entrepreneurial challenge ahead of us. And the bad news is a lot of businesses are going to be washed away over the coming months. The good news is that the ones who adapt are going to come out even stronger. That's why it's important to focus on the things that you can control. Tighten up your website, improve your CRO, collect as much first-party data as you can, and test, test, and do more testing. And if you need help with that, go to our friends at Conversion Fanatics. They're running hundreds of tests in all sorts of industries, so they know what's working now. Check the show notes for the link, or you can visit them at conversionfanatics.com. And we're back with Savannah Sanchez, world authority in TikTok, and not just TikTok ads either. Do you do anything organic or is it all paid media? I do all paid media. I still dabble with Meta and Google. I got my start when I started working at an advertising agency a few years ago, um, exclusively working with Meta ads. That's where I really built up my expertise Mm -hmm. um, and then started getting into Snapchat ads, Google, Pinterest. And then in the last two years, Pinterest, I mean, TikTok has just presented a huge opportunity um, so I've really dived into TikTok and that's now my favorite channel. And when clients come to work with me, I really push them to to try TikTok if they have a good product market fit there. So, so yeah, I've dabbled in everything now, but I really found my home with TikTok. Um, that's my favorite platform at the moment. I like that you say at the moment because it lets at me know moment. that, yeah, you're going to keep your finger to the pulse. And, and th- this is the thing about good marketers. Don't get romantic about the way you make your money. You know, yeah. like if while Instagram's working, I'm an Instagram fan. Hell yeah. The, when it stops working, I jump ship. You know, like there's no, this isn't a commitment. This isn't a covenant we made with these companies. It's totally. whilst you bring me money, I am on board. As soon as that stops, I move on. And there's yep. some folks that get like violently committed and I just don't understand it at all. Don't stay on a sinking ship. Yeah. I actually just tweeted yesterday. I was like, RIP Snapchat ads. <laughs> so, oh no, is it bad? It's so bad. Um, I've I've really been trying to bring it back. Multiple clients. I'm like, okay, let's just try Snapchat again on small budget, and it just it's not working. So I've officially said RIP goodbye. Why and do you people, think that is? Um, I think iOS 14 really killed it in terms of the data uh, that they have. Um, I think that their audience is going down. I think the company is just kind of going down. They hired 20% of their workforce last month. So. I don't know. Snapchat's a, a sinking ship. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to stay on a sinking ship. But people are like, you used to be Snapchat's biggest fan. I'm like, I was. It was great. It was so scalable. Um, I loved it. Cheap CPMs. It was kind of like the TikTok of like 2018 through 2020. Um, but now I'm like, nope, don't even try it. It's dead. We're done with Snapchat. <laughs> I love that. You know, what's funny is I'm I'm the Google guy, supposedly. 
uh, I started as the Facebook guy. Yeah. I did all the Facebook training for like Infusionsoft. I was at Icon, PartnerCon. Like I was about advanced Facebook strategies. And, but then it started, there's a whole bunch of, I won't go off on a bashing meta thing, but same thing. I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. And the day mm-hmm. Google stops working as well as something else for me, I'm out, yeah. you know, and I'll just rebrand. And, and it's weird that people look at that as hypocrisy. And I'm like, that's the furthest thing from, I'm showing you what's working now. You actually want me to jump ship because I'm the canary in the coal mine. Totally. Um, if it's not working, why would you tell people, oh, it's working great? That's being deceptive. And these platforms change all the time. And maybe there's going to be a brand new social media that's amazing next year. Like TikTok kind of came out of nowhere. I have a question for you, more out of curiosity for my own clients. Um, Performance Max is the, the big talk with Google. Have you yeah. seen that work? And would you recommend to run those campaigns during Black Friday, Cyber Monday? No. So well, answering two parts. Yes, we've seen it work. Pmax, especially for e-commerce is the most powerful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. There are a ton of issues with it though. So it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's like nuclear technology. It could save humanity, but it could also blow up your garage. You know what I mean? You have to be really, really careful with the way that you play with it. Um, and that's why I think there's so much frustration surrounding it. It doesn't do short spurts well at all. As a matter of fact, I'll say mm. the opposite. It, it, it performs horribly. And Google's got a bunch of education on how to use Pmax stream, and it's all it's all crap. They, they have seasonality adjustments and the things that they try to do in order to kind of help juice the algorithm. Google and Pmax specifically, it needs time. Now, if we ran Pmax for two years and Google was able to identify a cyclical market, understand your avatar, and do outbound prospecting for you, I have a feeling that over time, Pmax, when fed the data, is is actually going to get really really good. But right now, today, again, talking about the hypocrisy of my transient opinions. Pmax is garbage for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. There's a bunch of other things that you want to use around the prefaces, including, to be honest with you, just exact match search, um, hmm. discovery, YouTube, um, display, and, and then remarketing heavily. The thing that bugs me that I've seen my clients do, and I see so many people do, traffic, top of the funnel traffic, prospecting traffic is so expensive. It's so expensive. And yet, and there's a 500 touch point paradigm that we have to assume as marketers. You have to be in front of this person. And that's hyperbolic in some instances, but you have to be in front of them a lot. Yep. So you went and you spent all this money to get this person there and remarketing is cheap and you can mm. remarket across all channels. And then their remarketing budget either is non-existent, they're not doing it at all, or their remarketing campaign is limited by budget. And I'm like, what are you doing? There's a line of people outside that have expressed some interest in your brand and you're out here going and trying to get, you know, ad hoc one at a time force people into it's just unbelievable to me so sorry i derailed and went tangential with it but yeah the short answer is pmax isn't good for black friday right now thank you i really needed that advice because i'm i'm kind of wondering like, what do i do for black friday on google um because there's Heavy clients remarketing. that are asking me about it so yeah google is the most powerful remarketing mechanism right now in existence because it's the only thing that can properly pixel post ios 14 mm-hmm. everything else is app dependent google has you know the ability to triangulate's the wrong word because it refers to three points of view google has you know 50 or 500,000 so google's remarketing tool the google display network reaches 90% of all internet users on the planet 65% of those reach on a daily basis it's ubiquitous and if you're running any ads, any traffic, organic, social, bandit signs, billboards, radio, television, newspaper, whatever, you should be maxing out your remarketing as long as you're driving relevant traffic. That's my soft opinion. Love Uh, that. Quick plug. You mentioned uh, tweeting RIP Snapchat. Go follow 
Savannah. It's uh, at social underscore Savannah, social Savannah on Twitter because you drop fire and you have 45,000 followers, by the way. How did you do that? I just started tweeting probably in 2019, I think is when I created my Twitter account and just giving out marketing tips. And that's what's so great about this marketing community. Like there's so many people who don't gatekeep. We're just trying to share with each other, like what's working. Um, and that's changing all the time. So I would highly recommend for any marketer to join marketing Twitter. Is what I like to call it. You can go see who I'm following. I follow 150 people and those are all the top marketers. And everyone that I follow just shares really actionable advice, similar to this podcast um, with actionable advice. So that's a really great way to stay up to date of what's happening with marketing practitioners um, who are on the front lines, other media buyers. Um, and they'll tell you, okay, this is working. This is not. You need to try this. Um, Snapchat's dead. <laughs> Snapchat's dead. Pmax is bad for Black Friday. <laughs> what a brilliant CTA too. I've never heard anybody else do that. Go look at the people I'm following because that's a cultivated list. That is genius. I'm stealing that and pretending I came up with it. <laughs> I, I thought people asked me, they're like, who do I follow on marketing Twitter? I'm like, I try to, I, I don't like noise. I try to follow only the best um, people, people that give advice often um, so that I can go through my feed and see, okay, this is what the top marketers are doing. So that's, that's a good place to start. I love that. Um, you're the host of AdWorld, right? I am. The whole thing. I'm hosting it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As we speak. Um, that's amazing. I think AdWorld might be at this point, I think it's, it's the biggest. Because they went online, they went international, and they have every thought leader in existence. I, I don't know anybody who's not speaking at AdWorld that's you know made it past a certain threshold of success, um, including so yourself. Really cool. And Ralph. Yeah, yeah. I me can't wait Ralph, to watch those speeches. We're the gimmies because they know that we're the hosts, and they're like, "All right, let them talk." <laughs> um, I, so I have to keep us on track. Cross pollination. You create Black Friday Cyber Money ads for TikTok. The thing about TikTok is it has a really specific personality. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a culture to it and so much so that like there's songs that like all TikTokers are singing and dances that they're all doing. And then and then it phases out. And I'm like, how are y'all coordinating this? This is amazing. So when it's on TikTok, how well if I'm creating media just for TikTok, which I which I think is the hardest channel, by the way, to create media for by a margin. Is it working on meta platforms, Snapchat, Pinterest, LinkedIn, whatever, et cetera? Or are you finding ways to repurpose and or expand upon it? Yes. So I work with solely e-commerce clients. And the way that we think about creative production is design for TikTok first. And then you can take those same assets and launch them on Snap. Well, Snap's dead, so not anymore. Um, Pinterest, we're seeing that the TikTok style videos are doing well on Pinterest. I actually opened up Pinterest the other day and realized that pretty much every pin I was seeing was a TikTok video like reposted. No it's almost way. kind of becoming reels in terms of people just reposting their TikToks on a Pinterest. Um, which is kind of crazy. And then, of course, Facebook, Instagram, um, the meta, metaverse, um, those TikTok ads are working the best on there. Um, usually, the biggest mistake I see brands make is that they try to design for Facebook first and Instagram, and then they try mm. plugging that into TikTok, and it never works because for TikTok, as you mentioned, you have to speak the TikTok language, you have to look like a TikTok, you can't look like an ad, you need to use TikTok native fonts. But that's what all the biggest brands are doing now is that all the ads they're running on Facebook and Instagram all look like TikToks. Um, if you look up the ad libraries of any brand, um, any of the larger brands, you'll see that that they're all using TikTok text, 
Um, they look like they were made in TikTok, even though they're running on Facebook. So that's how I'm thinking about ad design is nailing the TikTok ad design first and then repurposing it for the other platforms. That's brilliant. I was talking to a young man. It was my my wife's cousin was staying with us. And I reference him being young because he's a TikTok user and it, it has escaped me. <laughs> but what was interesting about his life experience is all the music he listens to, uh, all of his news, it, basically any of the information he's exposed to, but a lot of the discovery that happens in his life, it all happens in TikTok. Mm-hmm. And, and then he's even taken to searching, this blew me away. Cause I'm like, dude, Google is search. Like you, if you need something, if you want to find out, you, you definitely go to Google, right? And he's like, no, I'll go to TikTok and I'll like, I'll like search for stuff in TikTok. And it, it, it offended me, Savannah, on a deeply <laughs> religious level. I was so mad at him, but are you seeing like inbound search traffic inside of TikTok? And, and can you capitalize on that as an advertiser? Yeah, it's crazy. So TikTok released search ads a couple months ago, and essentially you set it up similar to Google ad, like you enter in your keywords and um, hashtags that people are searching, and then your ads will show up for those searches. So if you're selling a blender, we're we're capitalizing on any searches for smoothie recipes, blenders, um, kind of similar to Pinterest, like discovery that way. Like mm. usually Pinterest is um, kind of seen as slight Google competition in terms of people are searching for things as opposed to just getting something random in their feed. So we're kind of approaching it the same way. If someone's looking at smoothie recipes and I'm selling a blender, I want to make sure my blender ad is the first result. So I think more and more, it's going to be a competitor to Google in that way in terms of capitalizing on search results. Oh, that just puts a nut in my stomach and an arrow (laughs) to my heart. Here's why, because we're talking about like, you know, when something better comes along, I'll jump ship. But I don't want it to be TikTok. You know, like it's just, it's the thing that I'm worst at. It's like, it's 100% creative. And it's, I, it, what I like about Google is it's, there's something about it that's evergreen. I feel like when I invest, there's an ongoing building of equity in these campaigns. TikTok to me feels like a wishing well. Like I throw a quarter in and no matter what happens, whether or not I get my wish, I have to go find another quarter to throw in. I'm not building any equity. Mm. And, and maybe mm. I'm wrong. Like, can you challenge me on that a little bit? It, it, I, I don't know. I've always looked at TikTok and honestly, Meta, as I'm climbing a muddy hill. And the minute I stop climbing, I'm just going to slide right back down. Where Google, I've always felt like I'm building kind of equity in a campaign that's more or less evergreen. You're 100% right. And I don't think Google's ever going to go away. So mm. you'll always have a job. <laughs> um, but it's true. On TikTok, we're launching two new creatives a week. If we stopped that creative production cycle and just said, well, let's just leave what we have and hope it builds. Like it's just every week it's going to keep going down and down potentially. Um, these things fatigue and people want new stuff. They want to see new ads. Um, you don't want to just run your ads for months on end. So you always have to be testing and trying new things. Um, where Google, it's, it's a bit more, like you said, like the machine learning is, is helping you out and um, getting better over time. And something that I've seen with a lot of my TikTok clients is the typical journey is that someone finds out about the brand through a TikTok ad, but they're coming back later on Google. Mm. Um, They're searching the brand or they're getting retargeted with a Facebook ad and then going to Google. So Google's, we always see Google as part of the journey. Yeah, Yeah, you know, that branded search, but it's true because people on TikTok don't want to be interrupted. They're there to be entertained. They're watching videos. So while they're discovering new brands, they're not necessarily going to be purchasing right then. Mm. It's very rare that I see those purchases come through on the first touch point. It's really just awareness and 
Then we see them come back either through direct or through Google or we target it through Facebook. There's usually at least three touch points before they end up purchasing. And that's the thing that people get frustrated with TikTok about is they're like, oh, my ROAS and platform looks so bad. It's like, yeah, because there's not a lot of people who are clicking on your ad and purchasing right then because they want to keep watching videos. They don't want to go to a website and decide what color they want or whatever, browse all the things. So um, it, it definitely requires multiple touches, but TikTok being the first. Yeah, it's the exact equivalent of Doritos watching their sales during the Super Bowl. Mm. You know, it's like nobody's buying Doritos during the Super Bowl. You <laughs> put the ad up so that the year following the Super Bowl, we all remember the fun Doritos commercials and they know that. So yeah, smaller advertisers, I call it the click to purchase gremlin. Everybody thinks that, oh, they clicked, what did they buy? You know, and I'm like, mm. when have you ever, when was, I'm a paid ad person that's about to say this. You ready for me to commit like, uh, what would I call it? Career suicide. When was the last time you clicked on an ad? You know what I mean? Like, I can't think to my, I'm sure it's happened, but, and, and, and if you've clicked, if you can even think about it, when's the last time you clicked and actually bought, you know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't happen that way. So I really love what you're saying so about true. TikTok being the top of the funnel and Google steals. That's the, the benefit I have. And I tell clients, <laughs> it's part of our sales narrative is, Hey, my attribution is going to look great. Meta, TikTok, Pinterest, all, all of them, it's going to look like they're doing nothing. But if you turn those off, over time, you're going to see dilution inside of Google Ads because we're we're stealing um, and stealing very heavily. So I think that's <laughs> something to contend with. I love that. People are always like, oh, my, my branded campaign's at a 50X. Like, let's scale it. I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't think okay. it works like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People are just waking up and thinking like, oh, I wonder if this brand exists. Um, how do you deal with attribution? <laughs> are, are you using an attribution? So I noticed you follow Triple Whale in uh, Twitter. Are you using an attribution software? Or are you are you kind of going it alone, collecting first-party data? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, I'm not committed to any attribution software. I have some clients that like Triple Whale. I have some like Northbeam. And both have their benefits, but those are for e-commerce. Those seem to be the two main players that clients either love one or the other. So I dabble in both. Um, but my favorite is post-purchase surveys. I think that's the best way to truly get mm. an idea of what is memorable to your customers. So something that I see, I see often when doing a post-purchase survey. So just for some background, what that is is that when someone purchases on the website, they're simply asked, "How did you hear about us?" And it lists out Facebook, Google, YouTube, TikTok, magazine, whatever channels you're advertising on. And 50% of people fill out these surveys across all my clients, around 50%. So it's really high. That's Yeah. People, brands are always really surprised. Like, wow, 50% of people actually fill out this survey. Do you make it a part of the checkout process? Like, is it integral or is it completely after checkout? It's on the thank you page. So. For my Shopify clients, we use an app called Fairing. I'm not sponsored by them, but I mention them all the time <laughs> everywhere I go. Yeah, I'm like, hey, I use this. CEO of Fairing, you owe Savannah money. We need, <laughs> we need I love them. And it's because what's interesting is people will look at their TikTok ROAS and be like, oh, this is crap. Then they'll realize that like 70% of their purchases, um, their customers are filling out the survey and saying that they found out about the brand on TikTok. Um, but when they're looking at last click attribution, they think it's all Google. Mm-hmm. So what's funny is that we see the social channels have really high response rates for the surveys and Google has the lowest just because Google's not very memorable. Like when right. you're thinking, how did I hear about this brand? Even though you may have Googled it as the last touch point to figure out what that brand was, you're like, what's that brand name? You're just Googling different things or you just type in the brand name. 
even though Google is taking all the credit for it, people rarely select Google as the reason they heard about the brand. So I thought that was interesting. No, that's that's. I was in a competitive process for a major brand to do their media spend, and I ended up in an argument with a gentleman from Clear Channel Radio. And the Clear Channel guy was talking about post-purchase surveys, and he called it something different. I forget what it was. But one of the people I was with, one of the project managers cited this study that talked about how flawed post-purchase surveys were in terms of getting to the truth. Like what people say and what was the true were, were, were completely different. And the Clear Channel guy said something that I thought was brilliant. He goes, it's not about statistical truism. It's about what's, what touch points stuck with them the most. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't care that Google touched them 30 times and my radio ad only got them the one time. They remembered my radio ad. They don't remember your Google ad. And in my mind, I was like, whoa, checkmate, bro. Like you just did that. And that's that's a really so, you know, the post purchase survey narrative kind of used to turn me off a little bit because I was like, yeah, but that's, you know, it's subjective, it's human invention, risk propensity, whatever. But, but m- maybe it's more important than having every single data point I could possibly have. How about ask a human? Hey, what resonated with you the most? And I love that you're getting fifty percent respond rates. That's unreal. What is it? Can you tell me a little bit more about the survey? Like, are you setting it up like an NPS score? I know you said what app to use, but I mean, I imagine it's just ultra simple. How did you hear about us? And that's it, or are there more Mm -hmm. form fields? No, I mean you can ask any question you want and have as many answers as you want. But that's essentially what Faring does. Shopify app on the thank you page. You'll plug in the survey at the top, saying like, "Quick question before you go. Like, how did you hear about us?" and the response rate's amazing. And that's how I'm doing attribution. Like, I don't really care about what Google Analytics says or what Triple Wheel says or North Theme says. Like, they're all interesting to look at. Mm. But at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, people are remembering TikTok. 70% of your customers that they found out about you from TikTok, even though when you look at Google Analytics, maybe only 20% of those last click purchases are coming from TikTok. And so it tells a completely different story because if brands were just looking at what TikTok says in terms of your ROAS, they wouldn't spend a penny on TikTok. They would be like, oh, we're losing money. But then when you look at the post-purchase survey and actually ask customers, how are you hearing about us? They're like, oh, wait, this is a multi-touch thing. They're not purchasing right when they're on TikTok, but they're getting retargeted with Facebook, Google, YouTube, email, um, and then they end up purchasing, but remembering TikTok. That's brilliant. Everybody should have a post-purchase survey. E-commerce or not, like it just feels, you know, after somebody converts, why wouldn't you ask that question? Right? (laughs) Yeah. Savannah, you've got a course, a TikTok course. Um, I noticed just incidentally, it's it's hosted on Podia. What is Podia? Do you like them? Is it just an LMS product? Yeah. They, they, I have a friend that also sells courses and I was like, hey, do you like Podia? And he was like, yeah, it's fine. Um, essentially, just host the course so I can upload my videos, my PDFs. Um, and it's been, it's been good. I don't know. I don't have anything to compare it to, but I can't complain. Yeah. Well, and your course is like, I mean, there's 46 lessons. Looks like hours and hours and hours of content. Uh, how how regularly are you updating it? What's great about it is that I released it six months ago and TikTok hasn't changed a ton since then. So I'm going to keep updating it as things change. But all the strategies I talked about six months ago are still relevant. So at least for now, I'm in the clear. <laughs> but um, as TikTok changes and strategies change, I'm going to be adding new stuff to it. So when you are part of my TikTok course, you get lifetime access. So as things change on the platform, I'll be updating the videos. That's awesome. I just noticed you and I share a client. Uh, I see him on your testimonials, which you have a ton of testimonials. And Savannah Sanchez was so gracious because she gave 
uh, perpetual traffic listeners $100 off, which I don't, am I right in saying on our last interview, you've never done that before. You've never discounted. Never discounted just for my, my favorite podcast. So, cause you guys keep having me back. Got to show yeah. some love. Um, so the that. discount code is PT. So to find my course, go to my website, thesocialsavannah.com and then click on TikTok course. And then when you check out, you can enter code PT for a hundred dollars off. That's unreal, Savannah. Thank you so much. And we have to have you back because we have to talk about TikTok search ads. I know yeah. we touched on it, but I just feel like the minute you said that, I was just like, oh God, like I can see it in my mind, like the epic face off um, and a closed ecosystem search. Amazon did that. Amazon took e-commerce from Google and made a closed ecosystem search. And it was brilliant because the efficacy of the search results are obviously a going to be much closer to the user intent, even with way less data. Uh, and then B, it gives Amazon the ability to profit in a way that Google could never profit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to see what TikTok's doing, how they're doing it, um, where you see that going, et cetera. In the meantime, where can people find you? You can find me at thesocialsavannah.com. I'm social underscore Savannah on Twitter and the social Savannah on Instagram. And if you're listening to this, we want to be the number one podcast on the planet for all things marketing. And uh, we can't do that without you. So I'd love to know what we can do better. I'd love to know other topics you'd like to hear about. And I'd love to know other thought leaders you'd like us to interview. And you can tell us that all in an anonymous survey at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Don't forget to follow me, Ralph, and Savannah Sanchez, who I think is becoming something of a recurring co-host. All of our Twitter handles are going to be in the description of uh, uh, this episode in the show notes. Go back and listen to previous episodes. Make sure that you're listening to Savannah's previous episodes. All resources and show notes are at perpetualtraffic.com. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Savannah, last words to you. Thank you for having me. Good luck, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, here comes the onslaught. (laughs) Peace. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 